Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and mini skirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Hey, hey, sister. On today's episode, I want to really tackle this idea of feeling the need to do it all and then maybe feeling like you're not doing it very well. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about balance and simplified living because I feel like recently I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners and from readers. We get those either commented on social media or sent in via email, and a lot of them sound something like this. Where do we draw the line and does a line need to be drawn as a wife and a student and a ministry leader and a small group participant and someone trying to prioritize exercise and rest and balance friendships and all these things? How can I do it all well? And what's the appropriate amount of healthy balance and how can I maintain? I've been getting that question a lot. And as much as I would love to say, hey, sister, I can totally speak into that and I have all the answers. I don't. I definitely could a little bit, but I thought it would be a really great opportunity to bring my friend Allie into the picture. Allie Kazaza is a friend of mine, and she inspires and encourages her audience at AllieKazaza.com. You should definitely go check her out. She is the host of The Purpose Show, which I have had the privilege of being on. It's a podcast. You should definitely go listen to that. And she is the creator of Your Uncluttered Home, an online decluttering course that earned her national attention for her philosophy of simple motherhood, which if you're not a mom, trust me, this still totally applies. She's been featured on the Today Show, Good Morning America, The Huffington Post, and even ABC News. She has such a healthy approach to this whole thing, and I think it's really going to bless your ears and your life. So without further ado, please welcome Allie Kazaza. Allie, can you say hello to everyone and just tell them a little bit about what you're about, who you are, and what you love, and what you're most passionate about? Yeah, thank you for having me. So I'm Allie. I have been married for 11 years to Brian. We have four kids. My oldest is nine. My youngest is four. We're in the process of adopting a little girl who will probably be about five or six years old. So we're excited about that. Mm. And we live in California right now. We travel a lot for work. Um, We homeschool so that we can travel all together. And yeah, it's kind of a little bit my personal stuff. But on the business end, I'm super, super passionate about helping women simplify and just kind of clear the heart and home clutter so that they can just be more present and focus more on what really matters to them and not 
end up cleaning up after a life that they'd rather be living. Mm -hmm. That is kind of my story and where I come from and just kind of what I learned um, in my early days of being a mother. And so now I'm super, super passionate about just helping people just kind of find clarity and say no to the wrong things and yes to the right things. Uh, I love what you do. I honestly, when I first stumbled upon just a little bit more about what you do and then, you know, you and I got connected, I remember watching or listening to something you said, stop cleaning up after your child's, you know, childhood and really start embracing it and being more present in it or something along those lines. And I thought, wow, what a perspective Mm -hmm. shift that is. And, (laughs) you know, I think we don't even really think that's what we're doing, but sometimes, you know, whether it's stop cleaning up after this or feeling like it's constantly something that you have to manage rather than really enjoy. Can you share a little of the story of when that shift occurred from you or in you and in your story and in your journey with motherhood and being a new mom? When did that start to, what was your aha moment or what was it for you that made you think I need to do something differently? And then how did that become a passion that you now help others with? Yeah. So, uh, it was about six years ago now and I was a mom of three at the time and I had just had my third baby. And so I was just in this place where Brian and I had kind of, we just got married really young and it was so good in so many ways that we got married when we did. And I'm so glad we did, but it did come with some hardships. And so we kind of just fell backwards into a lot of our life and kind of just were taking it as it came, I guess. And so I kind of feel like I woke up one day and just found myself you know, married and missing my husband like crazy because he worked all the time. Like he worked um, about six days a week and the sometimes seven and Mm -hmm. the hours were insane. Like he was gone like 14 hours a day minimum. And so I kind of was alone and we were, you know, not knowing any better, just kind of in this facade of the, you know, quote, American dream with the big house Mm. with way too much money for us, way too much space, overloaded with just stuff, because that's just what you do. You have more space, you have to fill it with something. Mm -hmm. And I had these three babies, I had three under three, and I was struggling so deeply with depression. I felt like every morning I woke up and it just kind of felt like my eyes were heavy. My spirit was heavy. I was so drained of energy and joy. I had nothing left and I would just wake up and feel honestly bummed out that the day was starting again. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't sleep longer. And that of course made me feel like a terrible mother and a terrible person. And so I just kind of was in this place for a couple of years of just struggle. And I would like read an article and like, okay, this is what I need. I'm going to get organized. And I would organize my house and organize all my stuff. And then it would just come undone in like a couple days, like for hours even sometimes. I'm much too familiar with that. (laughs) Yeah. Like it just was this thing where it was like, am I going to have to maintain this like all the time? And that is what made me get depressed because it was hopeless and it was never ending. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I, I had met my husband in junior high. So I wanted to marry him for a long time. Like here I was in this life that was my dream with these beautiful, healthy babies that we had together and a husband with an amazing work ethic. And I just felt like I am drowning and I am miserable and this can't be mm-hmm. my life. Like this can't be it. And kind of just hitting on the summary points for you here. I had heard this 
my pastor give a sermon on a verse that I knew very well, which was John 10, 10, which talks about Jesus saying that I came here to give you life. And not only that, but to give you life abundantly. And I remember kind of feeling like, what a joke, like, Mm. okay, is I guess mothers are in exclusion from that because this really is like the pit and I hate this. Mm. And I don't know, I'm maybe I'm doing something wrong. I was very like bitter and resentful and, and lost. Mm. And there was this one day shortly after I heard that sermon where I was at home and I just kind of had had enough. Like I just was having a really bad day with the kids. I was yelling at them. I didn't want to yell at them. I always promised that I wouldn't be a yeller. And I just was overwhelmed. I I remember just getting them in front of Netflix and like running upstairs into my master bathroom, shutting the door and falling on the floor with my head in my hand and just like breaking down into sobs and crying out to the Lord. Like, is this me? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? You say that you came to give me abundant life. And here I am like doing the whole thing, married with kids and it's empty and Mm. overwhelming. And I don't know what you want me to do. Mm. And I kind of just sat there with God. I I don't know if you've experienced this, but I kind of, I mean, I really just kind of felt him enter the room. Mm. And I just was like, he was there and I was just kind of sitting there just talking and praying and listening. And I kind of ended up in this, this is the only time it's ever happened to me. And I think it's so funny. I was like waiting for this philosophical response, like, here's the thing you need to learn. (laughs) And it was more like, it was just more like, God, like help me out here. What am I doing wrong? And it was kind of this prodding in my, in my mental space. Like, what are you spending most of your time doing? Like, really think about it. What are you doing all day? And I answered like audibly, like I'm cleaning up constantly. I told you that like, it's literally nonstop. I don't know what, why, and I can't stop. And I don't even care if the house is super clean. It's just that my life is a constant maintenance and Mm. and I can't take it. And I kind of felt like a further prodding, like, well, cleaning up what exactly? And I remember thinking like, I don't know, like it's just stuff. And I remember saying out loud, like it's just stuff. And I don't even know if we need it. Hmm. And that was like this light bulb moment for me. I felt like it's the only time in my life I ever felt like I had an actual epiphany. And it was so weird. Like I stopped crying. I wiped my face off. I got up. I knew exactly what I needed to do. I finished my day. I got the kids in bed early that night. And I just like purged my house of everything that was not like purposeful, needed, bettering my life, bettering my kids. And I mean, I got rid of like 50 trash bags that week Hmm. and immediately my life was lighter. Like Hmm. immediately I was happier. My depression lifted. It never came back six years in. I struggled with depression pretty much my whole adult life and it's never come back since then. Wow. I, yeah, I had, I had actually had a doctor's appointment for about four weeks after that to go in and get on medication, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I ended up canceling it because it was gone and I felt lighter. I was looking forward to my days. I was being able to be present with my kids and sit and play with them. I ended up beginning to homeschool them, which is something I never thought I'd have the energy or space to do. Mm. I started my blog, which is now my career. And my husband was able to leave his job through that. I mean, it changed—it literally changed my entire life. Wow. I can attest to the power of decluttering because when you declutter and when you almost detox the things that 
everything and every voice and every advertisement tells you that you for sure need. And you're like, why do mm-hmm. I need 18 of the same thing that are all different colors or whatever? Right. When you actually kind of like break the, I think there's sometimes like an emotional attachment to them too. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, how we can like yes. really kind of identify with our things. And recently, I mean, in a little bit of a different way, but being married a few years now and having moved multiple times, we accumulated a lot of stuff really fast. And a lot of things I didn't mm-hmm. even really realize that we had because <laughs> they was all in storage for like two years till we finally unpacked it in a place that we settled down. And so, you know, I remember just, I would wake up every morning and my question, it was almost like I struggled with an anxiety and I had never really struggled with anxiety before. But for months, I would wake up with this feeling and my first thought of the day would be, what do I need to fix today? What's going wrong? In other words, what do I need to clean up? Mm -hmm. What mess do I need to clean up? You know, and that is pre-kids. Like I didn't have three kids running around, but I was running a business and a team and a household and, you know, navigating marriage and doing a variety of things. And I had so many projects pending is what I would call it. And I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like there's so many things happening and so much stuff that I'm maintaining that there's no room to breathe, (laughs) even when Mm -hmm. you have a lot of things that from the outside. And I think that's what can be so difficult is, you know, you brought up that idea and that, that truth about abundance. And we so often can look at someone else's life and be like, gosh, they have it all. And you're, you know, really the American dream, this idea of they've got it all. And abundance, I think what I'm learning and what I've found in the last several months of going on my own journey of decluttering, detoxing, you know, all of that, de-stressing, really, as a result, I have learned abundance is not in stuff. <laughs> it's never going to be found in right. there. You know, it's going to feel like, I think that actually is more of a burden at times. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with things, but the feeling that I must have things and finally coming to that place of, you know what, the majority of this I actually don't need and it might actually be weighing me down is game changing. (laughs) Right. And the fact is, is that what takes up your space physically in your home is in turn taking up your time because Mm -hmm. it requires that you put it away, that you you know, make a home for it, that you organize it, that you put it back when you're done using it, that you Mm -hmm. wipe it down or clean it up or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, if you think about it, if you really think, especially like if there are any mothers listening, if you really think about your, how frustrated you feel sometimes and how overwhelmed you feel and that you kind of feel less than for the fact that you feel that way. And then stop for a second and just think about like everything, your, your toaster, your socks, your shirt, you know, your throw pillows, your kids' trophies, your kids' toys, every book, every notebook, every pen, every dish, every single mm-hmm. thing in your house is requiring some minuscule amount of your time. Mm-hmm. And that is like, no wonder, like, yeah. no wonder we're hating everything. Like, of course, it, it's too much. Mm-hmm. It's way too much. Mm-hmm. It that's the thing I love what you just said is the minuscule amounts of your time because minuscule amounts of time can add up to mountains <laughs> that you mm-hmm. don't want to tackle. Absolutely. <laughs> right. Exactly. Speaking into what you just said and just maybe expanding off that a bit, can you share maybe a couple things that you no longer purchase when, you know, you got rid of all of this stuff, you took 50 trash bags out, you know, you're kind of living this new way of life in the last several years. How has that changed your buying patterns and what you choose to invest your money in and bring into your home? Yeah, that's a great question. It definitely does affect that. First of all, I started buying more quality things. So I always talk about how much I love clothes. I love getting dressed. I love putting outfits together. 
I can, I absolutely, I've tried, like, this is my job, and I just will never do a capsule wardrobe. I just don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to be super limited there. But I do, like, the jeans that I have are, are good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wait, and I'll make sure when I can, you know, budget, depending, I get what is good and going to last me and flatter me and, and serve my shape and my body and my style. So it's a lot about being intentional, not really being extraordinarily restrictive. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I notice there's a lot, like I I just notice it so much, probably because it's just in my brain space all the time. But I notice how much um people market things emotionally. Hmm. And it's kind of I mean, it's crazy manipulative. Hmm. Things like my kids are really active in sports and, and extracurriculars and for example, when the boys did baseball, they do the professional, you know, sports photos. Nobody really likes those. Like they're not cute. They're super <laughs> staged. They make your kids' hat sit on top of their head, like super dork status because they don't want the <laughs> shadow on their face. Like it's not cute. Like they're they're so fake. It's a fake background. Like there's a bunch of kids in there that you don't even know with uh-huh. your kids. My husband has an amazing camera and I've got my iPhone. Like we take so many amazing pictures of them mm-hmm. before and during and after their games. But yet the way they market those photos is like basically, obviously, if you're a good mom, you're going to buy this. Photo. Right. Oh, I know and exactly what you mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really intense. And I noticed this like marketing like more and more and more. And so things like that, like those photos, those sports photos, stage school photos, I never buy them because I realize I don't like it. I'm not going to frame it and put it in my house because that's not my kid. Mm-hmm. That's my kid being super socially awkward. Like he just, he's like this stranger <laughs> just repositioned my hat and I have to hold the bat like this. Yep. I would much rather frame the picture of my boys walking away from me with both their jerseys saying Casaza on the back with their arms around each mm-hmm. other that I snap. Mm-hmm. after you know a winning game mm-hmm. so things like that like what's the reason what's the drive behind the buy a, a lot of times too like like I mentioned we do travel a lot and when you're traveling you get this kind of weird need to buy something to mark the fact that you've been somewhere hmm. they'll have like swag stores like a San Diego hat with like a sweatshirt and like oh I've been here and it's so funny like how one time I asked the the guy I met the owner of a San Diego like swag shop Mm -hmm. and I just was like I'm just curious does this business do really well like do you sell a lot of this stuff you've been here a really long time and he was like yeah he's like I have like three houses in different states and my wife and I are are, like gonna retire and I'm 35 and I was just like oh because people feel like they need to mark like purchase something that was like I've been there and it's it's so (laughs) That's going to go in a junk drawer. It's yeah. going to get shrunk in the wash or lost. Or, like, you're not going to wear... Seriously, like, you have to have that. Mm-hmm. So things like that, like, things that make me feel like I got the most out of an experience, like my kids playing baseball or me taking a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the reason? What do I need this to do for me? And if it's not going to do that, if it's really not worth my space and my money and my time, I'm not going to take it or buy it, even if it makes me like go way against the grain. Like all the other moms and like my mom can't understand why I won't buy those photos. Like she buys them instead of my kids. At least somebody has them, but it's like, mom, like we've taken so many great photos of the boys playing. Like mm-hmm. this is not who they are. They're super stiff and awkward. Yeah. It's so funny. 
you know? You know, and I think that's where they get you. I think they get you on like, mm-hmm. this is a tradition and this is what has been happening since schools existed is the, you know, yearly school photo, even though you have like a bajillion photos from that year. It's like, this is the one, even though it's probably the worst one and your kid half blinked or you half blinked. I remember even just trying to decide, like, it's the whole memory element. It's all this whole thing. But I think mm-hmm. I think that's slowly maybe changing just based off of, you know, what we have access to nowadays. But right. I don't know. I could be wrong. Apparently, they're still selling it hard. But either way, it's so interesting to think of it like that and to really, it's this is one just big mindset shift of how are you really viewing these things? Because like you said, that's going end up in a drawer or the 17th journal Mm -hmm. that you buy that you half fill and then you shove in a closet somewhere not serving anybody (laughs) you know not helping anybody so really good I love that I I was gonna ask another question it kind of made me think about just when it comes to feeling cluttered and overwhelmed by things but also now you're expending all this minuscule time as you've kind of taken back your life from I guess that marketing of you need all this stuff or whatever that exists now and surrounds us, how have you found time for your own creative projects even when you're exhausted? Because, I mean, at least for me, my biggest thing has been really focused on intentionality, decluttering, all that. But I've still found there's days that still get the best of you, you know, Mm -hmm. like you can have the most clean home ever and that's just life. And so how do you continue to fight for and create that space as you're simplifying your life and even when life doesn't feel so simple? Yeah, and I think that this is what my favorite thing about this kind of like minimalistic, simplified lifestyle is, is because there is no way on God's sweet earth that I would be able to homeschool four kids, pursue an adoption, have a happy marriage, run my business. There's no way that I'd be able to do even two of those things, at least not well, without just kind of having this minimalistic approach to life. It's, mm. That's what's funny about decluttering is that you kind of can't help but spill that philosophy kind of over into everything else. Mm -hmm. So for me, six years in, I've simplified my home and I'm always having to redo that. It's kind of a constant thing that it's just a a lifestyle. And then my calendar reflects that. Like my health reflects that. Everything is just kind of like, what's, what's simple here? Like what's enough to get me to the goal. Like, I want to be a healthy person. I want to feel good. I want to have a healthy body that's able to go out and take these speaking engagements and do my job, Mm -hmm. you know, be happy and play with my kids. Okay, so that's that. I want to have a full calendar that's full of what matters with intentional white space for the accidents and just the the breathing room that I'm going to need. And so what does minimalism look like there? Mm -hmm. And just kind of taking this idea of less and for the sake of more mm-hmm. and breathing it over every area of my life. And I think because of that, I have space to be creative and have mm-hmm. new ideas for my business and having a team in place that takes my ideas and actually makes them happen. Yes. It's all it's all <laughs> kind of a piece of the puzzle. Yep. I I think you're right there with the piece of the puzzles because or the pieces of the puzzle, I suppose, because have you ever felt maybe before that before you've really been living the simplified lifestyle? Did you ever feel like I'm literally trying to put the entire puzzle together mm-hmm. at once and clean it up at the same time? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, it kind of it kind of felt like 3 a.m. Christmas Eve, and I have to put this giant puzzle together because tomorrow I want my kids to wake up and I want everything perfect. But I've done none of the like pre-planning. Mm-hmm. I've done none of the work 
intentionally planning before. And it's just a total, you know, crap show here. And I'm trying to pull it together at the last minute. Like my whole life felt like that. Yep. That was my life the last probably like maybe a year or so ago. And in the last Mm. several months, it was kind of like a wake up call. It was slowly kind of I was starting to identify these things. And then I kind of hit a point where I was like, hold on, pause everything. Everything pause. Like, whatever. We just got to stop. And even though I had a team under me, I was, you know, in that place where, you know, I don't know if you ever felt that where you're kind of trying to define roles and clarify certain things and you don't even really know your direction completely or whatever. But getting, you know, almost entrusting responsibility and asking for help and finding ways to minimize that minuscule time that can just get sucked away from you so fast Mm -hmm. has been so helpful. But it takes some time you almost have to completely remove yourself to see from with a bird's eye view. Because when you're in the middle of the mess, like you said, you I, I remove myself, I went to the bathroom, I had a breakdown, you know, whatever that <laughs> looks like for you in that season of, of just complete overwhelm when you kind of realize I'm at my maximum capacity and now I need to figure out how to stop trying to build this whole puzzle on my own and start looking at it as there's these different pieces and how can I simplify each process that lays those pieces mm-hmm. out and entrust the responsibility of other pieces, i.e. people <laughs> that I trust, love, and right. you know can bring in to help complete this project that is my life, you know, that is my dream, right. that is my purpose. And that has gonna, it's going to happen over and over again. Like mm-hmm. I've gotten there multiple times since then one big example is it was really hard for me to admit that I would not be able to 100% be in charge of homeschooling my kids and 100% be the CEO of my company. Mm. And I had to relinquish some control and like let my husband help me because he's asking to help me mm-hmm. um, hire some childcare for some days mm-hmm. and not be the perfect mom and the perfect CEO and staying up at all hours of the night so that my kids didn't think that I worked too much. Mm-hmm. Like that was another, another piece of that puzzle. Like, mm-hmm. okay, it's time to do this again. What does enough look like? What is going to work? And mm-hmm. what is the simplest way to make this work? And now like it's a control issue, really it's fear and control. And when I let go of those two things, it, everything gets simpler. So it's kind of like, it's going to happen. You're going to freak out. You're going to mess up. And you're going to need to step back again and ask yourself, like, what needs to be simplified here? What do I need to let go of? And maybe do this another year, not this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just streamlining constantly. Yep. yep. I uh, recently, I don't know if you've ever heard the analogy of how many bridges are you building at one time, but just doing that mm-hmm. exercise kind of consistently has been a game changer for me to simplify. I, I don't know about you, but I'm an ideas person. I have so many ideas in my mm-hmm. brain at all times and Same. identifying <laughs> identifying is right now the best time to be doing this. I have 14 other things I'm doing, you know, and right. kind of even just whiteboarding where am I now? Where do I want to go? And how many bridges am I trying to build today to get there? Because if you're trying to build multiple bridges at once, they're all going to be kind of crappy. You know, they're not going to be done super well. And finding and identifying what's the one that I need to tackle today. And as soon as that one's done, I can start on the second one, you know, and timelining those things out can be hard because if you're multi-passionate and you are just a passionate person, that loves to have your hands mm-hmm. in multiple things and that control, it really can be hard to be like, you know what, bridges two, three, four, and five, I'm going to have to put off till the new year. You know, um, that's right. at least where I've been. And it's it's really healthy and really good, but definitely a challenge. So, 
Yeah. Right. And if you don't do that, then your, your amazing ideas, like I look at my ideas and I'm sometimes I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Like this is going to be such a world changer. I have to do this now because mm-hmm. it feels hard to wait. Yes. But it's like, if I don't wait, then that awesome idea isn't going to be given the justice that it's due. Right. And it, it will be so much better if I just wait. Absolutely. 100%. Can you call me every day and tell me this so I remember? <laughs> I'm I'm on it. Okay. Thanks, Brenda. (laughs) I want to ask one other question that I think is really relevant, especially in this kind of intentional timeline and simplifying how much is on your plate. I think a really important thing to discuss, and that goes with that, is this idea of boundaries. And boundaries is such a big word. And like, I feel like two B words that sometimes stress me out are boundaries and balance, because sometimes Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't quite know how to... um, do those things, you know, or they just seem like such big things. And so when we're thinking about how we can set boundaries to ultimately simplify our life, how can we do that? Or what would you say um, about creating boundaries without necessarily hurting feelings or dropping a ball Mm -hmm. on something that's really important? Yeah, that is such a good question. The first thing that comes to my mind is just that, my gosh, I've had such a process with this topic. Like I'm Oh my gosh, it's been such a journey. And I think for me personally, one thing that made boundaries really difficult was my life went from one extreme to the other, basically overnight. I was at one moment, um, you know, a stay-at-home mom Mm -hmm. and my husband worked and that was it. And then all of a sudden I started my business. I definitely learned like, okay, I think I'm going to need to read the book boundaries and (laughs) apply it rapidly Mm because this is really hard. But I think for me, asking myself, is this boundary going to help me do what God has put me on earth to do? Is it going to help me be intentional or am I being a little selfish and you just kind of don't want to deal with this person or mm-hmm. deal with this relationship? Mm-hmm. Because I, I do kind of tend, I mean, if I'm just being honest, one of my core weaknesses as a human being is just self-centeredness. Hmm. So I have to kind of check myself there. Like I can easily say, oh, I'm just putting a boundary up and I don't have time for coffee with her this week. And really it's like, am I avoiding this relationship because mm-hmm. it's a little bit difficult? Um, I want to stop for just a second because I think that is so powerful and I really appreciate you sharing that so like honestly because I mean I think it can be so easy we paint ourselves in such a more positive light (laughs) oh no I'm just I'm just and to some degree we can go we can operate in extremes we can go extreme like I need to be a full-blown people pleaser and that's still self-centered actually I think we forget that like that's not Mm -hmm. that's false humility you know And we can also then sway into this other extreme of kind of self-centered. Like, I I struggle with the same thing. I really get into my goals, and I get into where I'm going, and I'm excited, and I'm eager, and I'm focused on, you know, up-leveling and next steps and building and growing that sometimes— I have to ask myself, am I avoiding something because I feel like it's distracting me from something that seems more interesting to me, but it's a great way to love somebody, you know, or is this truly a boundary I need to have? So I totally resonate with that. And I just want to pause and thank you for saying that and pointing that out because I think more of us need to hear, you know what, we need to put our hand up and say, "Uh, me too, (laughs) you know, and admit that to ourselves sometimes. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard to judge that, especially when there is so much going on. But Mm -hmm. I feel like it's kind of a gut thing. Something comes up and I am immediately like, oh, geez, now I have to decide if I can do this or not. I just kind of need to ask myself some questions. And sometimes it feels a little silly. Mm -hmm. Like I'll 
imagine if I said yes to this thing and I go to this event or I have dinner with this person or whatever it is, I can't imagine going through it and I'll just kind of know this feels so heavy and it's going to drain my energy that I seriously need to speak at this event to these amazing women who need my message. Mm. I'm not able to take this right now. Mm. Um, or I can feel like, yeah, I can, I can do that. You know, I'm just being, I'm just being overly dramatic about this and, and I'm just mm. a little stressed out, but it's not the person or the circumstance. It's just where I'm at today. So I'm going to say yes to this. I can feel that I have that capacity. Hmm. So I think, I just think we so often kind of skirt things and we don't really like look inward and like kind of give yourself a gut check and just see, imagine that you went through with this. How does it feel? I I mean, I don't know if you agree, but I always kind of can feel in my gut like, oh no, this is not good. I can, Mm. I already even just imagining feel incredibly drained and burdened, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard the 10-10-10 analysis rule. Have you ever done that? No, I haven't. Okay, so I heard Allie Worthington share about it. She's a friend of mine. And it really revolutionized the way that I, I guess, take on commitments and um, make decisions. And I don't think mm-hmm. she actually, she might have created it. I don't know. I would guess I would need to Google that. But I didn't come in with my market research <laughs> I didn't anticipate this conversation to go this way, but that's good. We'll go with it. But the 10-10-10 analysis that she basically explained was when you're in that position and someone asks you to do something and you kind of get that like, ooh, you know, maybe not sure. It's this idea of how am I going to feel about this in 10 minutes? How am I going to feel about this in 10 weeks? And then how am I going to feel about this in 10 months? Because... You know, at mm-hmm. first, when you say yes to something, if you're operating out of a just from a pure, I need to be superwoman and please everybody, or if you're operating from a very self-centeredness, your answer to that is going to indicate something. And if it's coming from a place of people pleasing, you're probably going to feel pretty dang good about it 10 minutes later because that person's going to be happy. They're going to feel, you know, cared for. They're going to be really appreciative. But 10 weeks down the road, if it wasn't coming from a genuine place in your spirit and you knew like this is something that I should do and this is good because I've taken time and five minutes to step back and really consider how and why I'm making this decision. If it's just done Mm -hmm. from a place of I don't want to disappoint somebody, in 10 weeks, you're going to feel pretty crummy about it, you know, and you're not going to feel um, joy and eagerness and all of that you felt when you first said yes. And then in 10 months, you're going to feel like, well, dang, that just sucked the life out of me. However, if it's the other way around, and maybe you have that a little bit of a hesitation and you really do a kind of a self-analysis and the 10-10-10 analysis, and you're like, you know, this is something I don't really want to give my time to, but I know that it would probably be a good thing, you know, in 10 minutes, I might not love that I said yes. But in 10 weeks, I think I'm going to feel pretty good about the fact that I, you know, put myself second to really love this person, depending on really so where your heart good. is, you know? Isn't that an interesting oh tool? gosh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Can't take credit for it, but that's awesome. it was really helpful wisdom put into my life. For sure. And I think that that's, those are the types of things that are so helpful because it feels like, I mean, even just with so much going on, like in my life and in your life, we have so much going on and Mm -hmm. they're all really good things, but they're just a lot. You have Mm -hmm. to draw the line somewhere and I'm an introvert and I have my limits. Like I can feel when I'm just Mm -hmm. getting done and I hate those weeks where I overextend myself. And on Sunday, I am like a monster. Mm -hmm. I'm super angry and done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's hard, but yeah, I love that. You, that's basically like a formula gut Mm -hmm. check that you gave. I love it. Yeah. Coming from a place of, you know, if you are someone who does have a really um, high 
busy schedule, that kind of a thing. Or, I mean, you know, I mean, you're in a place where you have influence and there's really good things about that, but there's also cons to that, pros and cons to any kind of career path you pursue, no matter what. Right. But in that, there's some just different level of what you kind of have to maintain and do in a different way. Just like if you were a doctor, there's things that your mind is going to be focused on more than someone who's blogging or writing books or whatever. Again, it goes back to that minuscule time, that commitment. And when your mind is on developing out projects that go out to thousands of people or you're a high-level CEO, sometimes it's hard to make the mental shift to be like, okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, relationship. You know, you have to discipline yourself Mm -hmm. to do that. And I actually think it's really helpful that you get your husband involved to say, hey, consult me through this. Am I being too distant and too boundary oriented and I yeah. I'm not doing a good job of stewarding those the things that really matter which is relationship or is that more of something that's going to be a distraction from where I'm heading like h- help me determine this you know so think about how this applies to your reality to your work to your space and how that might make it difficult for you to create those boundary lines and those spaces and how you might need to ask for help in doing that just like Ali said I think that's so so stinking wise and so helpful yeah Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, last question I want to ask, and then I want to kind of wrap it up because I don't want to take your entire day. I know that we have both busy lives. But one thing I would love if you can just touch on, maybe just one or two little tangible pieces of advice or truths or tips or anything. I remember in the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that early in your marriage, your husband worked a lot. Before this business happened, before you had virality, before, you know, media outlets were picking you up and you created your courses and just did all these amazing things. How did you handle, you know, you said you really missed him and you were struggling with bitterness or with depression, I think you mentioned, which I think is a very mm-hmm. real thing, especially when your schedules aren't syncing up and you are lacking that unity or that sense of unity. And I think a lot of gals listening might be in that space today, whether they're moms or not. And I would love if you could speak into maybe just that reality that someone might be facing and how did you handle that or how would you advise someone handles that so that bitterness doesn't begin to build and they can still have a thriving relationship even in a difficult season like that yeah yeah so this that season of our life was so hard because like I mentioned we met in like junior high he was my best friend we were so close and we got married to be together all the time Mm. (laughs) and then it was like not that way at all and so I, I mean, I made myself miserable for a long time, just kind of like he would say, okay, I'm at my last job for the day. I should be heading home within an hour. And mm-hmm. I would like, okay. And I would get all ready and we'd get ready to go to dinner. And I would just be like waiting, 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 and like waiting for him to pull up to the house. And then he'd call me and like, hey, I got stuck on another job. I'm not going to be home until, you know, 10 p.m. Hmm. And it would just ruin our marriage vibe for the day. Like, I would be like, <laughs> marriage you're <vibes>. the worst. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, I feel like marriage is so funny because your vibe, your feels together can be totally different one day to the next uh-huh. or even, like, one hour to the next. Yep. So, <laughs> so it would ruin whatever we had built up that day. I would totally let that happen. I'd be so mad and so disappointed. And I was again, like I was young and immature, but that's just what, how it was. And it really sucked. Mm. And so I, the things that ended up helping me, I mean, I can go on and on and on about this. So I'll just give a couple, but one really big thing was that I kind of let go of 
the fact that like we're married and we're together and we do life together because that wasn't the job that he had. That wasn't the season that he had. And he needed to provide. He he needed, like we had both agreed, like I was going to be home. Mm-hmm. We knew that was right where we were supposed to be. And he had a great job that we were thankful to have and it made good money and that was it. So I let go of the expectation of like, we're going to do things together all the time. Hmm. And I kind of had it in my mind that I was a single parent on the days that he was working. Hmm. Like I would do my thing and I would, I would take, I remember one year we got Disneyland passes and I took the kids to Disneyland every single week while I was pregnant, like by myself carrying the stroller. I just decided to like buckle up and be a super amazing mom and just Mm. do all the things. And I would make coffee dates with my friends, take the kids to the movies. I had my house cleaning schedule. Like I just went out and lived my life Mm. without the expectation that Brian would meet us. And Mm. that, I mean, I RSVP to weddings saying like, two with a question mark because I didn't know if he would be able to get off work. Like, well, then you get then you get two meals. I mean, what more could you want? If he doesn't come, now you can just eat his I mean, food. <laughs> then I, yeah, then I don't have to choose between the chicken and the fish and life is good. So it was like, I just, I mean, I went to everything. I went to barbecues for his family alone. I did everything. And it, it got me to live my life and have a good time and not, wait for him now and I don't know if maybe that sounds kind of funny but it was just this giant expectation that I had like subconsciously that I had to let go of Mm -hmm. um and when I let go of those expectations our marriage that is when it just really turned around and got so good I mean we had stuff to talk about I would tell him what we did that day and what we're gonna do tomorrow Mm -hmm. I mean I was like living life we were so busy and it was so good Mm -hmm. and then because of that shift I started to get really grateful for the job that we didn't really like very much because it did take him away so much. Mm-hmm. I started to get really grateful that it enabled us to do those things while he was working. And just oh, my whole so perspective shifted. I mean, I also like, I was a mother, so mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing all the parenting mm-hmm. from like dawn to dusk by myself. And so I like did silly little things like scheduling naps and mm-hmm. like getting a crazy routine. Like, Here's the thing that I must do each day for our family to live a good life mm. and each week and each month. But then on the days that Brian was around, we went all in with like couple time, family time. We would, we had like a very strategic date night. We had our one family day a week. We would, it was like all in, we would do things together. And I mean, problems came up like one really stereotype <laughs> common problem is the husband wants to veg out at home all day because he's been working all week and the wife wants to get out and do things. Mm. And so, you know, he was, Brian is just a doll. Like he's super humble and always wants to put me first. And he kind of like just sacrificed that and did things with us because he knew that we missed him and we wanted to be with him. And we would kind of like have a restful morning and then we'd go to church and be out the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. So we just, we compromised and we made it work. But I would say the biggest thing was that first one, just that I had Mm. to let go of the expectation that like his job was unpredictable and Mm. that's just what it was. And I had to let go of his, I asked him to stop telling me when he thought he'd be home Mm. um, and just text me when he was on the freeway. Mm. I think that was so (laughs) wise where you're like, I'm going to stop waiting and start living, even in your marriage, because I think that's advice that we might give someone who's struggling. You know, I'm single. I'm, I feel like I've waited for my guy, you know, but what people right. don't realize is that can happen 
even after you say I do. <laughs> I actually yeah, really resonate absolutely. with that in a different way. It was more of a temporary situation, but I remember a couple years ago, Matt had to work a job a couple, probably about five or six hours away. It was a construction job that he was doing as kind of a temp fill-in while he was waiting for another opportunity. And it happened to be right around my birthday. And it would have been the first Mm -hmm. birthday that we spent together because up until that point, he was always in football camps or NCAA, you know, training and all the different things that he had to do for football in the summertime. And so we never spent my birthday together for the first three or four years that we knew each other. So I was really excited that that year we were going to get to, it was a Friday. He would be coming home from the job for the weekends. Actually, I was living in like a janky Airbnb, but we won't get into that. So anyways, he (laughs) (laughs) was a little scary, but anyway, so I was so excited for him to come home. I had been alone in this little place that wasn't even really my house all week. And we were in a very transitional season. And he called me in that, that afternoon. And I was, you know, planning on going to dinner. And he's like, I'm not going to get home tonight. And I about lost my marbles. I was like, I have already spent my entire birthday alone. And I'm not someone that likes to make a giant deal about birthdays or anything. Like I I don't need that, but it was still just this idea of like, this is supposed to be a one day of the year that we can spend together and you're not Mm -hmm. here. And And it was the expectation. Like you had that expectation set and that's what gets us every time. Yes, absolutely. And It took me about, my friend stopped by and we went to the mall. So at least I didn't spend the entire day alone, bless her heart. But then I remember that that evening, it was just like the clock was ticking. I mean, she had children. She needed to take her babies home by six o'clock. And so I'm like, it's going on eight o'clock. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my, I'm so bummed out. And I, at that point we were living in a city that wasn't super close to any family or anything. And so I was like, you know what? I'm over this. And I got up and I went to the store and I got like my favorite, I I love like funfetti and stuff. So I got my favorite cupcake mix and a bunch of sprinkles. And I was like, I'm going to make me a birthday cake. You know? <laughs> and I like ate the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the best thing about it was he ended up driving home and getting home like right before I was about to go to bed after eating my cake or making my cake. And he kind of, he like walks in the door and it was like the best thing ever because I didn't know that he would get there, you know, that early. And it was, you know, definitely not like what I expected. I wasn't planning on him being there for dinner. We didn't go to dinner. I made myself a birthday cake and probably gave myself a really bad stomach cake. But it was one, it was the same principle of like, well, I could sit here and wallow in unmet expectations or I could get up and live and experience life, you know, in the best way I know how today. Right. And I think that's really a really good piece of advice. I think that's how you can some, kind of shake bitterness because otherwise you're not living from mm-hmm. a place of gratitude. You're just grumbling, you know? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because when I, I, I don't remember what it was. It was a book, but I, I don't remember who wrote it or what it was, but I had picked up a book from my mom's house or something. I don't even know. It was so random. Obviously just like the Lord, like here, can you read this? Cause you're basically the worst. But I, <laughs> I picked up this book about being single hmm. and I saw that advice in it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm pretty, pretty deep into not being single, but this is like, this but I is feel single sometimes. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Like my, my lifestyle, like my days, I definitely wasn't with my partner ever. So I was single in that regard. Hmm. And so it just, it was just a mental shift and it helped so much. And Brian always talks about like that, that was a time in my life on our life as a couple that he was like, you really grew up during Hmm. that time and you made me grow up too. And I began to like really respect how strong you were 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really special for him. I didn't even know that until later. So it's just, it was just really good. Wow. That's awesome. I, I think that's, if we could give no other piece of advice, I think that's plenty. <laughs> I mean, I bet you yeah, have a ton totally. more, but I think that in and of itself is such, that takes so much discipline, so much humility, I think, to some degree and a massive mindset shift. And I think that's a hard issue a lot of the time too. And so even just working through that and saying, well, how can I take action to really live today to the full, not depending mm-hmm. even on what my spouse or significant other might be doing. If I can include them in the fun, fantastic. But I also have to remember, yes, we are one. If we're married, we're one. But I can't like latch onto him like a leech and just wait until he can serve my needs. It's not going to work like that and right. nobody's going to thrive. So I think that's absolutely awesome. Well. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and sharing your story a little bit. Can you tell everyone where they can find you and just all that you have to share? Please let them know because they need to go flock to everything that you do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I want you guys listening to like just jump into simplifying and getting your life just streamlined so you can feel better and live a happier life. And I would say just go to my website. It's just AllieCasaza.com. If you don't know how to spell my name, just Google anything near it. You should find it. And, um, <laughs> it'll be in the show notes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, it'll be in the show notes too. And yeah, there's just lots of stuff there. You can kind of na- navigate the homepage and just kind of see what jumps out at you. Whatever area you need simplifying in, I usually have some kind of freebie to get you like a, you know, your first step in that area. Hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Allie. I know this is going to bless so many and it's really a privilege to know you and be your friend. So thanks for being on. You too. Thank you for having me. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content And it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. This show is a part of the Lasting Media Network and produced by John Fender, Jason Barrett, and Jonas Litton with the help of Jackson Willis. Visit lastingmediagroup.com to learn more. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.